Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on the podcast once again today to help us break down all aspects of the 2022 U.S. Open Women's Singles Draw is a returning champion to our Cracked Racket show, someone you know from his contributions to the Action Network, to his All About Tennis blog. Of course, he is a multi-time appearer on just about every one of our Cracked Rackets podcasts as well. Welcome back to the show, our friend David Gertler. David, hey. Great shot. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing I'm doing okay. Um my well, my my dog died this past week. Um oh, man. Which, which has been very, yeah, very hard on me. But it's really nice to have tennis as an outlet. Um and I'm really excited about this women's tournament, especially, um, because I really it could go so many different ways. Yeah, no, first of all, wow, I didn't know that coming on to this show. That is, I'm so sorry to hear that, David. That's obviously mm-hmm. something I know I speak for all of our listeners. Anything we can do to help you through that, you have our well wishes always. Um, Thank no, you. And I'm glad that tennis is an outlet you can turn to because it's an outlet I turn to as well. It can always be therapeutic, particularly during the Grand Slams. There's so much action to get caught up in. I am immensely grateful that you've taken the time to chat with me. We have so many things we want to discuss on today's show. So much so, as I mentioned in the intro, we're dividing our draw preview into two parts. That way, we can dive into all aspects of this 2022 U.S. Open Women's Singles Draw. And this was something we were discussing, and you mentioned it uh, just there, but before we started the show, when you look at this 2022 U.S. Open, men's or women's draw, and this is something we'll discuss on the men's draw preview as well, I can't remember a slam this open. Certainly going into the 2020 U.S. Open, coming off of the pandemic, it felt as though that draw was wide open, particularly given the injury to the defending U.S. Open champ at the time, Bianca Andreescu, and the fact that we really hadn't seen anyone play that much tennis over the course of the past eight months That or in that time frame. That said, with how well Osaka, Vika were playing in that warm-up Western Southern Open, the fact that they ended up playing in the final of the U.S. Open as well. It turned out to be fairly predictable. After that, you have Ashley Barty, and I get Rabakina just won Wimbledon at the same time with how well Iga was playing. It didn't feel as wide open with Iga being the contender she was. I You can throw a name on a dartboard, you know, the one you hit. I... I, you could make a case. It feels like, and maybe it's a bit of a bailout. We didn't do our contenders podcast. Who would be the number one? I mean, it's a wide open question. You want me to answer now? I, I can. Uh, By all means, right in. For me, the num the number one contender is Rybakina. 
Okay, make the case. Wow. Well, I just think that the way that she can serve and take the racket out of her opponent's hands, kind of similar to what we're seeing with Samson with Samsonova recently. Um, the way that she serves, the way that she hits the forehand, she seems confident on court. I did not love what I, you know, I, I haven't loved what I've seen in the warm-up events, but she hasn't had any like horrible losses. I loved how she played against Buskova in uh Toronto. Um I thought that was a very good match because it showed that she could hang in there when Buskova was literally running around the court like a uh, like a squirrel or what's the saying or like a uh, hyena. Uh, <laughs> sure. And and so Boos and Rybakina hung in there and she had that rally tolerance, that control over her ground strokes. And even when Buskova took the second set, um, Rybakina. I thought would fold and kind of wear down and she didn't. And so that was a very telling match for me. I think that Rebecca knows what she's been through at Wimbledon. And I think that she believes in herself and that she can do it again. And in based on qualifying, the court seemed a little quicker, which I think will help her uh, in Hertz Sviatek. Um, and so that's who I have. Who do you have? Well, I think there are two schools of thought. I think, Looking at this 2022 WTA season, outside of Iga, who it is still worth mentioning, is ahead of the curve by just about every metric. You know, you look at top 20 wins on the season. She's got 13. No other player on the WTA Tour has 10. Um, she's 13-1, and one, by the way, against top 20 opponents as well. She's certainly in the top five of your conversation. I think that's where any conversation has to start. That said, outside of that, I think there are two camps of players. There are the players whose best on any given day is just better than everyone else's. And you know I like to refer to those players as the Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club players. Players like a Rabakina, players like a Samsonova who not only come in with exceptional form, but who we've seen in single matches their best can just blow you off the court. And I think Sabalenka falls in that camp. I think Amanda Nisimova's probably been the most consistent player of that style of player this season. You know, there's that group of players. And I think when you're making a top five or a top 10, pick your two favorite. You know, if you're asking me who it is, no bailout here. I'll answer your question. Anisimova would be first of the Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club for me. I think... It's in the cards for her. Now, I, I obviously, you look at the draw, and we'll get into that. That's where you maybe start to differ. I think the other one, it's between Sabalenka and Rabakina to me. If Sabalenka just double faults 10 times instead of 20 times per match, I actually think she's gotten better at everything else this season. And when you look for Sabalenka from a metric standpoint, again, you know, the return percentage is a little bit better. She's putting more returns in play. She's having more success against second serves as a returner. And, you know, you look at her break percentage, it's still above her career average. She's winning, you know, more first serve points than her career average is the double fault percentage. You know, again, she's hit over 300 double faults this year. It's atrocious. If she served well, I think everything else has come further along in her game. But I think it has to be Rabakina. Like, you know, again, if I'm picking two players out of that camp, it's probably Anisimova and Rabakina because I just trust Rabakina a little bit more match in match out. We were early on Rabakina on this podcast. Is this based on the draw, though? 
or no, just in- I, I'm talking in general because okay. I, yeah, we'll get into the draw more broadly. I'm talking about yeah. in a vacuum. Who are my two favorite? Because I do I'm think big a- picture. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I was just going to say that. I agree in a vacuum. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking in a vacuum right now because to some extent, and I know we're going to do a draw preview, and this is good. And I, you could ask super producer Daniel West stuff. I was talking with him. We had to drop off the rental car 12 days on the road. What a journey it was. And I'll tell you this, David, I could not go on the road that long without West stuff because just any little thing, I was missing a headphone part before we recorded this podcast, which allows me to plug into my computer so that my microphone doesn't pick up your audio while you're talking. And I texted him and I go, hey, I can't find it. And he goes, oh, I have an extra one in the front square pocket of my backpack. Just grab it out of there. And he had an extra one in the front square pocket. I was like, you're just the man. So shout out to him. The point being, in a vacuum, I think that. And I do think big picture, does the draw matter? Because how many players in this draw can prove, not that they can do it not even three times in a row, maybe four times in a row. But how many players do you really feel they're going to win seven matches consecutively no matter what? And that's where I think you can think in a vacuum because for me, and you gave me this number as a finger gesture, which our listeners can't see, zero. Like, I agree with you. I don't know how many I can say. And so the power tennis camp is one. I think you can pick those power tennis players out of a vacuum. And I swear to God, David, I'm going to let you talk. But no, keep, keep going. The, the second camp of players are, okay, I don't know if you can win seven matches in a row, but who's going to give me four? Like, Simona Halb's going to give me four. Jessica Pagula is going to give me four. Uh, Coco Goff, I think, is going to give me a good three. And on the right day, once if she's serving well, she could give me four. Like, she could be on the fringes of that group. I think the metrics say as much. I have to put Own Jabour in this group. I can't believe I didn't say that earlier. I know. I think she's going to give me a good four. Pick your two favorite of the group of four. The, you know, who of the players who you think, all right, they're going to beat who they're supposed to be. By the way, you know who else belongs in that conversation? We mentioned Samsonova. Bernardo uh, Pera belongs in that uh, group of four. I think Marie Buskova belongs in that group of four as well. Beatrice Haddad Maya also in those group of four. I think those are the, they're going to get four wins over players they should beat. As the draw toughens, how confident are you in them? Who would be your two to three favorite of that group? In a vacuum. In a vacuum. Okay. None of the ones you mentioned. Honestly, (laughs) Kazakina. Oh, that's it. I should have mentioned her. Great. I would would say Hadamaya. I still don't. She hasn't done it long enough that I believe that she's in that camp yet. I think that who else? Buzkova, if she's healthy, she did uh, have some injury after Goff pulled out uh, in their match. Then Buzkova withdrew so we don't know about her healthy but if she's healthy i 100 percent agree with you um who's the other one you mentioned uh no halep or pagula halep and pagula are definitely up there uh right there with kazakina i think those are the three yeah um, i i would agree i think daria should be in that third you really don't have beatrice Maya in that group even after her run in canada no I don't, I don't, I don't, I still don't believe in her. She, I, I don't believe that this is not a flash in the pan. I mean, physically she's played like a, we've had this discussion before. All right, let's get into the draw because that okay. can help make sense. We don't have to talk in a vacuum anymore. We can look at who do they have to beat? What matchups are actually best. And as I alluded to in the introduction, we're just going to 
uh, divide the draw into the two halves because typically, and I believe the two halves are the halves that play on the same day. That's how it always works. And so we're going to talk about the top half of the draw in part one or part two, depending on the order. Well, the other one will obviously be the bottom half of the draw. On this show, we're looking at the top half of the draw. So that starts with the Iga Sviantec quarter. And, you know, again, I want to go through all the seeds in this quarter to start just to talk about the players we're looking at most closely. Then we'll divide things as we do, start talking about the players most likely to advance, our favorite first-round matchups, the dark horses, the upset alerts. And then, of course, we're going to go through and offer predictions as well. You look at this Iga Sviantec quarter. She's the number one overall seed. Yes, she struggled a bit uh, through this North American hardcore stretch. Losses to Haddad Maya, which I think appreciated in value, given it was 7-5 in the third. Haddad Maya makes the finals of the event. Same thing, 3-4 and four to Madison Keys in Cincinnati. Well, Madison Keys goes on to make the final of the event. You have to keep those things in mind, David. Semifinals, she, right? Semifinals, thank you. You're right, because it was Kvitova versus Garcia. I appreciate that. Again, I've been on the road for a while. Um, but it was certainly not a bad loss, given the context of how well Keyes was playing in Cincinnati. She's your number one overall seed, of course. Jessica Pagula, who is fourth in the points race, has made quarterfinals of just about every big event she's been in this year. We'll get into that. She's your number eight seed. The other seeds floating in this section. You've got number nine seed, Garbine Muguruza. Eh. You've got number 16 seed, Elena Ostapenko. We know her best. She falls into that Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club, one of the nine players to rank top 26. I cheated to include her, but one of the nine players to rank top 26 in both hold and break percentage. Her best can be that good. Quicker court is interesting. You've also got, uh, of course, Amanda Nisimova, 24 seed in this section. Katarina Alexandrova and Elisa Mertens. Let's start with the top half. What do you like most? I So the matchups that I think interest me are Anisimova, Pudenseva, because, I mean, who doesn't want to see what <laughs> drama Yulia Pudenseva brings? I think in terms of, if we're talking, we talked earlier about the Serena Williams Power Tennis Club. Well, Kinwin Zhang versus Yelena Ostapenko yeah. is the prime example of that. Um I'm excited to see uh, Muguruza Tossin just to kind of more so just to kind of see Claire Tossin back in action and see if uh, Muguruza can make something of her year. It's been a disaster. Um, I okay. Here's here's an I like so many of the matchups, so I'm going to go on and on. But here's an interesting one. Erica Andriva. Have you ever seen her before? Tell me about her. She is. She says she's playing Kvitova. She was playing really so. She made the semifinals of the Bronx ITF last week. Um, she lost to Rocky Mova. She got her revenge on Rocky Mova in the final qualifier in the final qualifying round in New York. She absorbs power really well. She can get. She is controlled aggression with her forehand. She moves around the court very well. Out of all the qualifiers in the draw, I think she is the one that stood out to me the most. Her and Ashlyn Kruger, um, who plays Azarenka in the first round also in this half so i guess that's another one that interests me was azarenka kruger i think kruger can maybe even get a set off of azarenka i've not been impressed with azarenka i know everyone wanted to say well, that hold that thought because that's the i believe bedosa quarter so i want to get oh, to oh, okay we're doing bit. top yeah. quarter yeah okay. so let's focus on the shviantek one for now um when you i mean some of the matchups you talked on there uh just to expand a little bit 
I think Anisimov is going to dust Putin, uh, Putin Seva, and I think that's a great litmus test for her early on because what does Putenseva really do to hurt her? Nothing. She wants to put a million balls in play. Anisimova doesn't care. Like She's going to go big. She's going to have the opportunity to go big. If she's feeling the ball well and she wins that match, say, two and two, we'll look out because that means she's in form. And so I do think that's one to watch when you're looking big picture because I think Anisimova is the sort of player who absolutely has the sort of weapons who on any given day, and you look for Anisimova throughout the course of this season, she has nine wins against top 20 opponents. That's second on the year. It's her, Kasakina, and Iga. Those are you know the top three. Kasakina has also got nine top 20 wins. She's 9-8 against top 20 opponents this year. She's proven she can beat the best because, you know, you look for Anisimova. She's also, according to the stats this year, one of those, again, nine players, top 26 in both hold and break percentage. She's actually one of the five players who's top 20 in both hold and break percentage. She has been that good, and you look for her in the points race. She's currently sitting at 17th. Now, you know, I know she didn't have the best North American hardcore stretch. Is she going to be like, healthy? Well, that's the question. Is she's yeah. a little bit banged up, and so again, that gets to why is round number one so interesting? Because if she's healthy and playing her best tennis, well, then you just have to respect how well she's played this year. Any any response to that? Any any follow ups there? Um, no, I I totally agree. Yeah, I hate saying this, but yes, I completely agree with you. Yeah, so uh, if she's healthy, you watch that. I thought, and this is uh, I was in Cleveland, so I got a little bit swept up in it. Kennan played great against Bernarda Pera, and she looked fit, and all the tricks were working, the short angles, the drop shots, changing direction as she does so well. It's also amazing watching these players in in person. You know, it looks like she may not hit the biggest ball on camera. She can generate as much pace as anyone, and she was absorbing everything Bernarda Pera was throwing at her. I would love to see Anisimova Kennan healthy in round two, because that could be a delightful round two matchup, but... The match you bring up in this quarter that, without question, is the most interesting is Yelena Ostapenko versus Jung Chinwen in that round one matchup because who has been the more consistent player of the two this year, David? Ostapenko or Jung Chinwen? Uh, more consistent? I would say Kin uh, wins. I yeah. agree. I agree. And I don't, like, you look again for uh, the 19-year-old. The season that she has had here in 2022, she's 30 and 14. Like, she's won two-thirds of her matches, quarterfinals in Toronto, uh, you know, loses three sets to Pliskova after beating Jabour and Andrescu in three sets. And the fact that she even was able to go three sets against Pliskova with how well Pliskova was serving uh, in that quarterfinal— I'm 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 just all in on her game, and she is not go. You know, she has the sort of power to dish everything back. She's not going to be flustered by Ostapenko's power because she's going to say, "Oh, that's great! Watch what I can do as well." And you know, if Ostapenko, when she wins matches, she makes over 65% of her first serves. When she loses matches, she's hovering around 50. You can't hover around 50 against Young Chin Wen because she's going to kill you on that return of serve, and she's more consistent than your typical power player. Now, with that said, we can't do, I mean, Ostapenko did make the final, or she won Dubai. She made the semis of Doha. She made the final of Eastbourne. When she's at her best, I think that she is a better player than Zay. Okay, but who are the two players that she's lost to in this hardcore stretch? She lost to Risk. She lost to Keys. Two yeah. power players. Two players who can dish it right back to her. So can the 19-year-old. 
And so, again, you're right. This is why this is the most interesting round number one, because they are both high upside players. When Ostapenko plays her best, she's proven it can be as good as anyone's in the draw. And, you know, again, because of her Middle East run, it's worth remembering. Ostapenko's 19th in the points race. She's had a pretty good year overall, even if it's been a bit streaky. That's your most interesting first-round matchup. If you're to nerd out, you would say Fruvertova versus Wang Xinyu is obviously delightful because Linda Fruvertova, 17 years old. I want You just want to see more. But I'll say this. When Clara Tawson beats Garbine Muguruza in round number one, it should surprise no one. Because I watched Tawson play in Cleveland, and she just looked healthy. And she was going after the ball. And credit to Alizé Cornet, who I was talking to one of her hitting partners in Cleveland, and it's the number one singles player for Case Western. And he was just, he was like, I think she oh, made was it one. Hopper, right? Yeah. And, and, she go, and he goes, I think she made one unforced error. And he was just like marveling. He was like, just, it was unbelievable. And that's what she does, just the pressure she puts on Tawson. But Muguruza is not going to do that. And... I just think Clara looked healthy for the first time, and let's not forget how good she was when healthy last season. So as we transition, let's go to upset alerts. That's where I would start. I think Tawson beats Muguruza. Where else are you looking? So, I mean, is that – because last I checked, um, Tawson's the favorite. So That's amazing. So then – but I agree. Muguruza has been a disaster, Um, and she played a tired Kaya Kanepi, and she beat her in – in Cincinnati, that doesn't impress me. Um, and she's a she's a mess. So yes, I completely agree there. Upsets alert, upset alerts. I think, like I was kind of alluding to before, I think Andriva can potentially keep it close against Kvitova. I don't know. I don't think she'll win. I think she can keep it a lot closer than people think. Um, but looking through my draw right now, I don't. I love picking against Elisa Mertens. I don't think Begu has the game to beat her in the first round. Um, I have Ostapenko beating Kinwin Zhang. I can see the argument against Ostapenko. But besides that, I'm looking at my top quarter right now, and it's looking pretty chalky. All right. I'll give you three upsets I see in this section. Ooh, three. Tell me if you like them or you don't, because okay. then we can get to the big picture. Um, I think Bernardo Pera advances out of her section of the draw, and it's going to be a Pera versus Pagula round of 16 match. I think Bernardo Pera, who's now won 19 of her last 21 matches, who there was nothing she could do against Samsonova, who after the match said, yeah, I played perfect. Like it, everything was working for me. And when Samsonova plays that well, she can just take the racket out of your hand. But Bernardo Pera just doesn't lose to who she's not supposed to lose to anymore. And what she brings, match in, match out, you know, Kalanina, I don't think, has the weapons to hurt her. And I think Bernardo Pera gets through that first-round match. I think if you're saying Andriva Kvitova is going to be a battle, I think Pera is going to get Kvitova. Now, I will say the power tennis that Kvitova can play, that's what concerns me. Because I think if you have weapons, you know, Bernardo Pera's backswing can get a little big. If you can get that ball into her body, you can generate more errors than if you don't have a weapon. But I just think Bernardo Pera is playing really, really well. I think she gets out of that section. This is the breakthrough run for her. I mean, I saw it with my own eyes. I just, I feel good about her game. Sansonova just played that well. Are you in favor of that? Yes or no? So first off, just as an aside, I actually had one of my friends, my only friend who really likes tennis, texted me. He's like, I heard 
I heard Alex. Is that Alex on the uh, Cleveland? I don't know if you were being the MC or something. Yeah. Uh, he, he heard you and he recognized your voice. Uh, uh, that's funny. But uh, anyways, yeah, back to here's the deal with Kavitova. I don't believe for a second that, she, you know, I don't think anything that happened in Cincinnati is any bearing on uh, what happened, what's going to happen in New York. And I think we actually had this extremely same, extremely similar conversation coming in the Wimbledon one um, mm-hmm. because she had just won Eastbourne and everyone was starting to think again, oh, could she be a title favorite? And she lost the first week to Bedosa. I know there was an injury, but you shouldn't, she should never be losing to Bedosa on grass. I don't, I, she, New York city, heat and humidity. It's historically her worst slam. Um, even the French open, she has better results. Uh, I believe the quarterfinals is her best result in the New York, in, in New York. In the French Open, it's the semifinals twice versus twice in the quarterfinals for the U.S. Open. So I just don't trust her in the conditions. I think I agree. So long story short, I agree with you. Bernarda Pera deserves more respect than she's getting. And I think that, you know, Kalanina doesn't have the uh, weapons to hurt her. And if it's Tossin or Fruvid Tova in the third round, I think she can win that too. Yeah, I think that's player number one who's interesting. If you're a nerd, that Claire Lou Anastasia Potapova matchup is fascinating as well because Potapova's played really well in her backhand and versus the Lou backhand is just a very fun matchup. Um, all right, two big picture upsets in this section before we get into our predictions who you think is more likely to advance. Alexandrova against Fiontech. You look for a Katarina Alexandrova. She is having the best season of her career. And whether it's the hold percentage, she's holding 72.5% of the time. That's a top 15 number. It's a career high for her. Her break percentage, well, not exceptional at 36.4, is about average amongst top 50 players. Um, Leah, I, I, I think... Her win percentage, by the way, she's winning over 60% uh, of her matches for just the second time in her career, but for the biggest match sample of her career. She runs hot and cold, and Brangle just kind of got under her skin in that match in Cleveland. But in a vacuum, you know, Peyton Stearns, that's an interesting first-round matchup, but I think Alexandrova can just do a little bit more. She has the sort of weapons to make Ega uncomfortable. She has the sort of ability to, you know, again, get that ball into the body of Ega and just sort of take her cuts and see where the chips lie. Are you interested in that matchup? Yeah, so I guess, yes. And for a variety of reasons, I think that Sviatek's draw after the first round is actually pretty brutal. Um, Because like you, you were saying, and like we've, I think, also talked about in the past, Sviatek against power players, struggles even at her best you know right before a big winning streak in doha she lost to ostapenko um we just saw in uh in cincinnati she lost to keys you know those big hitters those big servers that take the racket out of her hand and rush her so alexandrova does fit that bill i did not like how she hit the backhand against brangle but like you said she got into uh, katarina's head um so i i completely agree with you and I, I don't think I personally don't have her losing there, but I can see it. Yeah, it's – I mean, again, the problem with Alexandrova is she has to play her best because it's it's very hot or cold. You sometimes get the best of her or you get the losses to the Brangle or you get the losses to the Zheng Shui, the Kasakinas in Berlin, you know, Begu at the French Open – 
I mean, uh, yeah, I would take Iga. And so with that in mind, let's get to the predictions because I think we've looked at this draw in just about every aspect. We haven't talked about the 8C Jess Pagula. Just a quick reminder for Jess Pagula this season because it really has been that good. You look for her here in 2022, 31-16 overall. So she's winning two-thirds of her matches. Quarterfinals in Australia, semifinals Miami, finals Madrid, quarterfinals Roland Garros, semifinals Toronto, quarterfinals Cincinnati. She gets to the biggest stages of the biggest events. Now, again, you only heard the one final and you look for Jess Pagula this season. She hasn't won a title, but she is fourth in the points race. That said, you look at her draw. Golubic, the winner of Sass, uh, it's going to be Sasnovich. Sasnovich is playing really well right now, but she just doesn't have a big enough weapon to hurt Pagula with. Mertens or Bagu, whatever, you're not afraid of. Pagula is getting to the round of 16. I feel more confident that Jess Pagula is getting to the round of 16 in her mini, you know, section of the draw, 16th of the draw, than any other 16th. I am that confident that Jess Pagula is getting to the second week. That said, I like, again, even if she gets through a para or a kavit of a whatever it may be, which I think she will, I think she gets to the quarters. I think the upsides of the player, I, I like. I would take an ego over Pagula. I've seen that matchup, and that's a great matchup for Iga. And so, when you look at this section, David, give me your prediction. Where, where are you leaning? So yeah, you talked about Murdens. I just want to say that yes, I have Murdens in the third round, but Yuan blitzed through qualies, and I think that she can challenge. Uh, Murdens. But yeah, I actually have Pagula over Sviatek. Wow. That's more more me kind of hedging my bets, if that makes sense, because I I think that she could lose to Nisimova. I don't think she gets out of this quarter, but I don't have confidence in the winner in Alexandrova or Nisimova and and Ostapenko. So enough, you know what I mean? Whoever wins that match. Um, You know what? I'm actually going to change it right now. I'm going to put Anisimova against Pagula. I'm just looking at it. Um, I th- I, I'll, I'll call my shot because that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm kind of talking myself into it. Okay. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I don't think Sviatek comes out of this section. You're spot on about Pagula. She's always going to kind of be towards the end, but she's rarely going to win, win it all. You know, I think that's a great way to put it. And I agree. So while I have her in the quarters beating now, I guess, Anisimova, um, I don't think that she's going to win the title. I don't think she's even, I don't think she's even like in my head, she's not even that big of a contender, but yet she's always going to be in that round of 16 or quarterfinals based on her draw. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting for sure. I think if she was healthier, I would have made the pick as well. Now, because she wasn't the most healthy going into this event, and again, you look for Amanda Nisimova, who looked really good in a first-round victory over Kasakina, but obviously had to pull out before that match against Shelby Rogers, and, you know, lost to Rogers in San Jose, lost to Pliskova in Toronto. She's not playing her best right now. And while she's been really good this season, I would have liked to see at one of those three events at least, you know, a semifinal run where she earns a couple of top 20 wins as she has at just about every other big event this season. Because of that and because of the draw, and I do think this is a weaker quarter, I'm going to take Iga. And it's just because I don't think there's any player in the draw consistent enough to beat her right now. Like, I don't think Ostapenko, who beat her in the Middle East, obviously, before she goes on her massive win streak. I don't think Ostapenko's playing well enough right now to beat an Iga. 
particularly after having to win three matches to get there. I don't think Alexandrova is playing well enough right now to generate the sort of power tennis she's capable of producing, but consistently enough to disrupt the rhythm of Iga. I think a Sloane Stevens, you know, in a round two matchup is a really good matchup for Iga. And then I think Pagula's getting out of her section because she beats everyone she's supposed to beat. And when Pagula runs up against a player, you know, again, it's just a perfect matchup for Iga because if you don't have the weapons to disrupt Iga's rhythm, like Keys did, like uh, Haddad Maya did, she's just going to beat you. And I, that's why I'm taking Iga, because I think this section of the draw broke perfectly for her. It's interesting. You know, I just, she's making the, she's valid in her talks about the balls, but I think it's an excuse because, I mean, the ball's not flying, wasn't flying on Madison Keys, and she hits a bigger ball than Sviatek does. So I think that's a lame excuse. Um, but with that said, she's obviously in her own head. I don't. I just don't think she's playing very well ever since the Wimbledon, ever since the first round, even of Wimbledon in that second set against, I can't remember who it was, but uh, she won a bagel first set or, and then she just, her level just, I just, I haven't seen, she looks like a top 20 player. She doesn't look like a top, the top player in the world. Well, I think the draw allows her to get into that form because again, Unless Ekaterina Alexandrova plays her best tennis in that third-round match, I think Iga should get through pretty comfortably. And so I'm going to go with Iga to advance out of this section. I'm going to have her beating Pagula as well. I know that's literally the top two seeds in the quarter, but and, and we talk about the inconsistency. But again, unless Anisimova's at her healthiest, and I just don't know if she is, I think the draw broke perfectly for both of these top seeds. Hey, Cracked fans, we are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple color grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com that's sales at uniquesports.com you mentioned crack rackets sent you in the email we would greatly appreciate that as they let you them know that we sent you there but more importantly you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward again you email sales at uniquesports.com you mentioned crack rackets you get the free sample you get hooked up with our friends at turner once you use a turner grip you're never going to turn anywhere else of course Again, ask them about the Mega Tack, the tackiest grip on the market. Contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at Turn of Tennis today. When you look at the Paula Bedosa section of the draw, where I want to go next, that is not the case at all. I think this section is absolutely wide open, and obviously Bedosa's dealt with so many injury issues. As good as she looked in San Jose, she you know, loses first round three sets to Tomjanovic in Cincinnati and has to retire to Potenziva in Toronto. She's not going to be the favorite 
to advance in this section. At the same time, are you going to say it's definitively number six seed Arena Sabalenka who could double fall 25 times over the course yeah. of three sets? Still make it a three-set match, but, you know, double fault 25 times. Are you going to go with, you know, a Benchich, a Pliskova, Collins, Radakanu, Elena Rabakina, obviously sitting in this section, as is Victoria Azarenka. And then, of course, you've got Naomi Osaka, who's best on a hard court when she plays her best is still as good as anyone out there. And she hasn't played her best in some time, but you have to respect the four hardcore Grand Slam pedigree. Are you saying the same about Serena then? No, because it's not the same stage of their careers. How can you compare the level of a 24, 25-year-old to the level of a 39, 40-year-old? Like, it's just not athletically comparable. It's a fair question to ask, but I don't think you can compare the two right now. I just, you know, she was just so bad, you know, in Cincinnati, yeah. in Cincinnati, it's hard to have any, you know, confidence. Well, she just returned so poorly. Yeah. And then the walkover in Toronto, it's just, I, you, you make some, you are right. You know, it is true. And I maybe was, that was a little bit of an unfair comparison. Um, but no, yeah. it's a fair, I get what you're saying is the point I'm trying to make. And I, again, when you look at this section of the draw, Let's start here. Let's ask this question. I want to do a better job of asking this question in our previews. Who are the three most likely to advance out of this quarter, whether it be their draw, their level play, David, in this section? Who are your three most likely to advance? Oh, man, that's that's tough. But, I mean, for me, at the top, it's Rubakina. Um, then it's then this is where I kind of get a little sh- – a little uh, maybe a little more adventuresome. Then it's Buzkaba. Interesting. And then for me, I guess it's Bedosa. But so again, let's start with Rabakina, who okay. first round Clara Burel, you know, then she'd play the winner of Anutvank and Venus. Let's assume, you know, again, either way, it's, it's the weapon, the weapons against Venus would be tough against Van Utvank. Again, she's someone who wants to be generating, playing plus one ball. Rabakina is just better than her at it. So it is two good matchups. You feel pretty good about Elena Rabakina to get to round number three. I mean, whether she plays Kanepi or Sabalenka in round three, that's a really fun round three matchup. And I do think this is a pretty good draw for Elena Rabakina either way, because again, who had who's power tennis right now between the three of those? If they play their best, are you going with? You're going with Rabakina, right? Uh yeah, definitely. I mean, I just don't trust with the double faults. And yeah. I mean, I maybe I just have that San Jose match against uh Kazakina in my head. Yeah. That was one of the worst tennis matches I've ever seen. <laughs> well, again, right? no, just to put the numbers out there because via our friends at Tennis Abstract, uh, Arena Sabalenka. 318 double faults in 41 matches this season. The next closest, David, you want to guess how many they have? Uh, 260. It's a good guess. 214, Coco Goff. Oh, my God. I mean, exactly. 100 less free points. She's given away 100 more free points than the second closest player. It's tough to bet on that. And you look for Elena Rabakina, who goes after the second serve, certainly. Rabakina on this list, she has uh, right now 116 double faults. So literally 202 less double faults. She's given away 202 less free points. And yet, Arena Sabalenka, I'll continue to say it, she hasn't been bad this year. And like... It, again, you look at the losses that she's taken. And I'm throwing out the first two months of the season where she was truly atrocious. But like three sets against Caroline Garcia, 
Sabalenka's second set against Garcia was the only time in Cincinnati that someone hit Garcia off the court, that someone's best was better than Caroline Garcia's. And when Sabalenka plays that level of power tennis, when she's actually landing the first serve, her movement, her ability to hit with power and depth on the run and in defensive positions, she can be that good. You know, again, she should have beaten Goff in Toronto. She gave, she served for the match. And, you know, the three-set match against Kasatkina, Having lost that second set, obviously got blown away in the third, but she probably should have won that match as well. But Sabal- I mean, in not- a vacuum, Sabalenka's been better than Rabakina on this hardcore stretch. She, yes, she might have, should have won, but that's like a D beating an F because <laughs> it, was ter- it was terrible for, until the third set in that one. I mean, I can't stress enough, that was not a great endorsement of tennis uh, there in that match. Um, Fair. But that's what Sabalenka does. She makes you play ugly and on her terms. Yeah. And that's why she's always a factor. That's true. And, I mean, it is true that when I mean, we have the defending champion, Radicanu, and we have Asaka in the section, and we have, like you said, Belinda Benchett, so and Azarenka, you know, so there are some big names it's just hard to trust uh, Azarenka or Radicanu at this point, you know? So I'll give you my three. I'll go Rabakina, Sabalenka, my clear-cut top two because I okay. just think they're best or better. <sighs> Buzkova was a fun throw in there because she's been the 250 queen, right? She's beaten everyone she's supposed to beat this season. She's one of the five players top 20 in both hold and break percentage because, again, in qualifyings in 250s when she's fit, obviously at Wimbledon, she just makes – you have to hit – Four extra shots per rally against her. And if you're not capable of doing that, you're just not going to beat her. <sighs> I mean, I'm still going to go with Belinda Bencic, man. Because I really like how the draw broke open for her. Because that Plisk of a matchup, that's just power tennis versus power tennis. And I think those are actually the yeah. matchups where Bencic... Yeah, no, no, no. I, well, I'm saying if that's the worst. Like, okay. again, uh, if that's the third round, like, or, or if it's Buzkova, again, you're going to give Benchich seven chances to put the ball away. I think she's going to be capable of doing it. She does have the sort of decisiveness you need to beat a Buzkova. Buzkova doesn't necessarily have the weapons you need to throw Benchich off rhythm. I like how the draw, and then again, I don't have confidence in Bedosa. I, if Vika's healthy, she looks great. I never know how healthy she is. I think when I look at this section of the, the draw, again, we litigated the Rabakina Sabalenka thing. I think the third thing is Benchich for me. And that's why this section is so scary for me because those are three high upside, but the floor can get, you know, fall out from underneath all three of them, certainly. And so if you're looking beyond those three, any dark horse candidates jump out to you? Well, Buzkova. Yeah, um, sure. And then, um, I mean, Rada Canoe, I actually have in the round of 16. Not happy about that, but I do. Um, Quickly on Buzkova, just again for a refresher for our listeners, she won the Prague title. She makes quarterfinals of Wimbledon. You look for her this season, 36 and 11 overall. She loses, Crazy. you know, had to pull out against Risk and loses three sets to Rabakina in Toronto, speaking to again. She doesn't necessarily have the weapon to hurt the best of the best. The Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club players can hit her off the court. I mean, I think that's a good number one, just for the record. Radakanu has played well. And, uh, you know, again, how healthy is she going into it? That's has a good she, question. Though? No, she, excuse me. She played well in Cincinnati. 
Because, but I mean, how much do we? First off, Serena was well. Corrected. I actually, I will say, Raducanu, you look for her break percentage. It's actually better than it was last season, and I think her as a returner, she's gotten better this season. And she talked about when we spoke with her. You can go listen to it on the Cracked Interviews podcast. Um, the fact that she's gotten more accustomed to the ball that these top pros hit, and she's growing more comfortable with that. I thought she played, I think it was Samsonova, really well at the City Open in that first set. Yeah, I thought it was a really event. fun first set. Um, I think her floor is pretty high. Now, the problem is her serve is attackable. And again, for a Sabalenka, for a Rabakina, I think it's a good matchup. But I don't hate that take, David. Okay. I just don't – for me, it's like – and I think we. I may be touching this a little bit before. But like the Azarenka was horrendous. It was that horrendous against her – and Serena was, I mean, it's, I, Serena was the reason I, uh, you know, came, went from a more casual to hardcore fan back in sure. 2012. This is not even like, this is not even like in the same ballpark as that Serena, you know? So when I, you know, I saw all over Twitter, oh, she beat uh, Serena and Azarenka. I'm like, screw that. Like that is, you know, that is just not, ac- you know, that's, not what actually is went on, you know? Yeah, fair. Now, I do have... So let's play a fun... And again, Dark Horse, I also want to say te- it's teenager alert time because there are a lot of talented yeah, young players yeah. right now. A bunch came through qualifying. Let's play a little rapid fire teenage alert here for you, David, because I think there are a lot of fun ones in this section uh, when we're going to go through them quickly. Marta Kostyuk, semifinal Canada last week. She's 20 technically, I believe now, but I mean, she's actually been to a fourth round of a major. And let's not forget, she is someone who is athletic enough to play defense, but can generate enough power to play offense as well. She's one of those special athletes, in my opinion, in the Andrescu sort of model who can just do a little bit of everything. She Sharif round uh, Meyer Sharif round one, then maybe, uh, you know, another team. Oh, well, let's just start again. Meyer Sharif round one. You think she beats her? Azarenka would be the second round. Sharif is maybe the worst player in the main draw. So, yes. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, well, maybe the worst non, maybe the worst non qualifier in the main draw. I don't know about that either. But anyway, so are you still in on Kostyuk? Yes or no? Yes. But with the, again, with the, we've said this a lot, but the caveat of she did pull out against Seville um, in I believe it was Seville in the warm-up tournament, you know, just last week. So I'm not uh, if she's healthy, yes, for sure, because she's such a fun ball. Striker. Well, I think she pulled out of that Grand B match because it was preventative to say I've got the U.S. Open next week. I want to be prepared. Okay. So she it wasn't something. It wasn't something. Serious. Is my hope. Is my okay. hope. Okay. If if so, then yeah, I think she can beat Azarenka. That the only reason I had Azarenka beating her is just because I was a little worried about that injury. Okay, we're going to keep going. Ashlyn Kruger, former San Diego champion. The power she can generate is special. She gets through. Obviously, she's into this main draw here. Plays as a rank around one. When Vika's healthy, she's been really good this season. She just hasn't been that healthy. Obviously, the Radakanu match, the loss there to Wang Shiyu in Washington, also concerning. That's an interesting round one match. That's a frisky upset alert. Yeah, Are you in on Kruger? Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw the line was 6.5 for Azarenka. It's a I just lot of games. I don't think that is indicate. I I don't think that's indica- indicative of nice. the level of tennis that Kruger is playing. And in qualifying, she did not have it easy. She beat Katie Bulter, who had a fantastic grass court season. And then Patty Nama 
Kirkhove is not an easy final qualifying round either. And she beat both of them in straight sets. Almost lost in the first qualifying round to Renata Zarazua, but then ended up bageling her in the third set. Um, I am totally in on her. I think she's the she can be the future of American women's tennis in the coming years. Um, and so, yes, I am. I don't think she'll beat Azarenka, but maybe she'll keep it close. It's going to be a fun match. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, you look for Kruger this season, 26 and 15, a lot of her success coming at the 25K, 60K level where she's picked up a couple titles this year. When the power tennis isn't clicking, it can get a bit erratic, but I like how she moves. And again, her first strike's just going to make you uncomfortable when it's landing. So I'm interested. She's a teenager I'm interested in. Linda Noskova. 33 and 11 overall this year. Now she's one and three against top 100 of players. A three set loss for her at Roland Garros to Emma Raducanu. You know, Naskova. Again, I'm I'm just in on her game. Currently at a career high number 87 in the world. I watched her play in Prague. Played really well against Cornet and was you know physical enough to stay 7-6 in the third and beat her in that match. And I thought it played Buskova really well, even in a 7-6-6-3 uh, loss. Are you in on Oskova? I haven't, honestly, to be totally transparent, I have not seen her a ton. Oh, uh, the power tennis is... I mean, it's not elite, elite, but she just plays on her terms. She's not afraid to go for her swing, and everything's smooth. The the, the results are speak for themselves, though. Every time I yeah. check, it seems like she's winning pretty convincingly. So um, I think I've only seen her once, to be honest. But based on the results, yes. Yeah, no, I agree. I think she's a fun one. We talked about Raducanu, who it's funny, is still a teenager. Alize Cornet is actually a great matchup for her because Cornet doesn't have the overwhelming weapon to hurt her. And I think Raducanu is more than willing to play the two-hour match. Now, I think that match does go at least an hour 40, even if it's straight sets. But I just I, I think Raducanu's backhand is the biggest weapon on the court. And that's why I think Emma gets through that match. What if she reach, What is a success for you in your, for her in this event? Um, well, first off, you're, that'll be really fun seeing the backhand to backhand versus Cornet. I'm not totally, it looked like against Asnovich in uh, Cleveland. I'm sure you saw it that uh, Cornet didn't look 100% physically in that match. Um, we know there was an injury scare with Rada Canoe in when she was practicing for the U.S. Open, but it seems like she'll be fine. Um, I think that a success is making the second week. Um, maybe the more casual media will be shocked that she won't win it. She's not winning at all again. But for me, it's, I, I, I think if she can make the second week, at least recover some of the points, because if she does, if she loses to Cornet, her ranking's going to fall like a rock. Um, so there is some pressure there, but I mean, I think it's actually a pretty kind, I mean, It'll be interesting to see. I, I would love to see Rada Canu play Osaka in the third round. Um, mm-hmm. Danielle Collins is such a wild card. I, you know, it'll be interesting if, you know, it might, she could come out of the gates. I know we're talking. Well, so I think if Rada kind of makes the fourth round, it's a success. I yeah. think if she beats Collins Osaka winner, who's, or, you know, if it's Yvonne, whatever it may be. If she, I actually like the Townsend matchup hypothetically in round two because I think a lefty is a good matchup for Radakanu. I don't know if Sinyakova is consistent enough to hang with Radakanu the entire time, and I don't know if her weapons are big enough to really disrupt Radakanu's rhythm. 
I think if she gets to the fourth round, it's a success. And then, you know, again, you run into a Rabakina or a Sabalenka. If she beats her, now you're back into the quarterfinals. And obviously, that's right. an overwhelming success. Third round is the benchmark to me. Win your first two matches. Get to another seed. Get to the dangerous player. If you make the fourth round, it's a win, in my opinion. Absolutely. And so with that in mind, I know we talked about a lot of matchups there. My favorite first-round matchups I'm going to go through, and then I want you to, uh, you know, again, tell me if you agree or disagree. Buzkova, Naskova. Did I talk you into it? Yes. And I love watching every People that know my like watching interests in tennis know that I love the non-power player Cerebus Tormo grinder type. So Buzkova, I always love watching her. Kruger Azarenka. Absolutely. That'll I agree. be definitely one I'm watching. Burel Rabakina. Um I, I love I'm not Claire Burrell has kind of been a disappointment. So fair. Rada Cornet. Yes. Grind. Although if there's a better match on, I'll probably but like yes, if that yes. All right. We'll end here. Collins Osaka. I'm more curious. I don't mean I don't, I'm not personally. I'm not a fan of Osaka on a personal level, but I love watching Danielle Collins. So hopefully she's healthy. Who are you more? Who is healthier? I mean Danielle Collins, who hasn't played since Lausanne in July, uh, obviously into this tournament, didn't play Cincinnati. You know, a bunch of points fall off her resume. All of that success from the Olympic swing last year. At the same time, Osaka loses. You know, golf four and four in San Jose, retires against Kanepi, straight set loss to Jung Shui in Cincinnati, where she really could not land a return. And yet, it's really difficult in your first match back to have to deal with Osaka serve. It's a tough matchup. If you had to, because this is the best first round match, we should spend two minutes on it. Who are you more confident in going into it? Who would be your prediction for this first round? So it's so hard to say because they played in Miami and Collins wasn't healthy there either. Um, but if they're both 100% healthy, Osaka just does everything a little bit better. And it pains me to say that because, like I said, I, I don't like Osaka. <laughs> but I'm willing to say that because it's true. She, I'm not going to be biased. She does everything a little bit better than Collins, and so I trust her a little more. All right. With that said, then, let's get into the big picture predictions, and then we'll move on to the other half of the draw. And again, that bottom half of the draw, a separate episode here. We're dividing these draw previews into two parts so that David and I can dive into all of these individual matchups, get a little bit more individual than we normally do, typically because we didn't have the chance to preview everything in our seven preview podcast we like to do here at Cracked Rackets. Uh, let's end here. Predictions in this Paula Bedosa, who we haven't talked about. You look for the Bedosa section. She's got Saranko, Gracheva, Martic as her first potential to, you know, Saranko first, then the winner of Gracheva, Martic. You figure if she gets to round three, that means she's healthy. And if she's healthy, she's been fine, I guess, throughout the course of this season. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, we didn't talk about her. Feel free to if you'd like, but what are your predictions? Who's getting out of this uh, Bedosa quarter? Well, I just want to kind of say in general, the top 10 on the WTA are just, compared to 10 or 15 years ago, just so disappointing, you know, could Bedosa contivate those type of players wouldn't have sniffed the top 10 in 10 personally, I think 10 to 15 years ago. Um, 
Do you want to? My counter would just be they're young. Like Conteve yeah. and Sakari are just getting to the top 10, even if they're 26, 27. Bedosa's 24. Jabour may be 28. But again, she's really been a since 2020 sort of top 20 sensation. Pagula just breaking in. Kasakina sort of back where she belongs, but things steadying. You've got Goff. You've got, you know, Fernandez, Benchich, Haddad Maya, all these new players on the horizon. It's just very new. I don't know if it's bad. It's just very new. I agree it's inconsistent. I wouldn't say it's bad. No, but I just, when I looked at the top 10 from like 10 or 15, I just can't see any of those players losing to like a Bedosa or Savaline. Savaline. Yeah, I just, there's maybe just a... Well, who specifically are you talking about? Who? What top uh, 15 player seven years ago was better than the top 10 we have now. Let me get the top 10 up. Because, you know, again, like Sharapova's best, was she a more consistent number two? Sure. You know, do we have a, was Vika a better challenger to Serena at the top and to have Halep ascending and Wozniacki ascending? You had a lot of really good players in their primes, but I guess my counter would be, does it feel like Goff is in her prime yet? No. Does it feel like a lot of the, you know, I, I don't think a lot of these players are in their primes yet. I think they're ascending towards them. And you're right. There is a degree of inconsistency that comes with that. But I think there's a broader – there needs to be a broader understanding that, again, like it's been a two-and-a-half-year rush since the yeah. pandemic. You know, it's been two years now of tennis since the pandemic stopped things in February, March 2020. And in those two years, a new pecking order has emerged. And the problem is we lost Barty. And Barty, Sviantek, having a clear-cut top two would have just helped made sense of things. Because while we've had the Conteve run, Amuguru's run during Shades of last year, obviously Own Jabura has been in the mix, Sabalenka has been in the mix, Sakari has been in the mix. The key uh, – Radicano, you have to say because you want to slam yeah. Rabakana. The key words here, Kennan even – They've just been runs. We've had little three-month runs. We haven't had year-long runs. And you're right. That's been a problem. Um, but it's been fun to have all these runs. Like, I, I don't – I think these – like, Conteve during her – like, Conteve's level at the end of last year. That's as good as anyone's. You know, soccer – yeah. Yeah, Jabour during the grass court season. Rabakana during the grass court season. Radakanu at the U.S. Open. Their runs have been as good as any individual runs. It's the lack of consistency. Yeah, I mean, I, I pulled up the 2012 top 10. Here, yeah, I'm let's go through it. I like it. Number one was Azarenka for the year-end ranking. Yeah, Number she's a multi-time slam champion. She is – I mean, who uh, – well, it's too soon on Iga. You can't even compare it. But, yeah, Iga would be the only player who's even Azarenka caliber on tour right now. Number two is Sharapova. No disrespect to Halep, who obviously belongs in that conversation, but it's a different stage of Halep's career. That Sharapova from 2012. Let me – I'm going to look up her record. Keep going. Uh, Serena was at three. Okay, obviously she was pretty darn good. Radwanska was four. I think Radwanska definitely wins the slam in this era. By the way, 2012 Maria Sharapova went 55 and 10. She silver medal Olympics, semifinals U.S. Open, wins the French Open, and reaches uh, yeah. finals Indian Wells and reaches finals Australian Open. Yeah, we don't have a share another Sharapova. You're Look right. at the number two now. It's kind of eight. It's like no, you're know? right. That's the problem is we only have Iga. So I think a lot of this is Barty. Like yeah. it's not her fault, but it's the lack of Barty's presence. It's but that like again three Serena. Yeah, that's a really good number three, too. Who's four? Keep going. 
Okay, is Radwanska's four, Kerber's five. So Radwanska, I think, is Won a Contivate, is like a, but Radwanska's best run is like a Contivate best run. And there's usually oh. someone like that. Oh, Slam I'm saying. Final? One set from the slam? No, but I'm saying we usually have someone who's, there's always at least one yeah. Radwanska-esque player in any given moment yeah. as well. I think like yeah, right I now you could argue it's Kasakina or you could argue yeah. it's Pagula or like one of those players. I guess maybe I'm just a little biased because I think that in this sense. No, her I, game was great, but I agree. And, keep yeah, going. I keep going. That, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This no, is no, 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 no. Don't apologize. I don't mean it by that, but I'm saying I can yeah, see yeah. your point. I get yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Kerber's five. Yeah. Okay. Again, her best. Okay. Keep going. You're right. We don't. Six. Now this is. Irani. I love Irani. Um, okay, but that you feel like is a Sakari or a Contave. Uh, like I, I, I no, would have... because she made a Grand Slam fine. Fair. Keep going. Se- seven is Lena. Okay, where I disagree actually is because one of – I mean, again, who made – Coco Goff made a slam final. Like I'm right. saying Irani is that level of player. Is okay, the point I agree with that. I agree with it. But Lina, she made – she won five. Didn't she win five doubles? Maybe. No, she's Coco Goff's world number one in doubles, baby. Without um, a major. Just keep going, though. Okay, yeah, yeah. Lee Na is seven. Yeah, that's really good. Keep going. Eight is Patrick Kvitova. Okay. Nine is Stozer, who won a slam. Okay. Ten is Caroline Wozniacki, who should have won more than one slam. I mean, the thing is, when we think of that now, we think about the framework. of Like, we think about, like, in 2012, what were those players' resumes? Not the same as they are here in 2022. Um, yes, Wozniacki did not have a slam yet, but I I believe 2012, Lena won in 2011, so she had a slam. No, I, I agree with you. The, yeah. the depth was better. Or not the depth, but the strength up top. Yeah. At the same time... No, I have no – I mean the strength up top was better. I, I concede that point. Yeah. I, so the, I my, my argument in response is that it's not terrible now. Like it's not bad. It's not as good as 2012, which was a golden era. But I think I, there are a lot of players are young. Rabakin is 23, yeah. right? Will, Goff is 18. Like there's a – this new wave is coming and they're still solidifying themselves. That said, predictions. Give me your core. Okay, yeah. here. Who would be? I'm so sorry for that. No, I no, 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 no. That was exactly – I saw it on Twitter and I just didn't believe it. I just – I'm sorry and I and I love – you know I love promoting women's tennis. But I'm not going to – I'm not going to, you know – no, I agree. My argument yeah. is just that – and I know it's an easy excuse to make, and I don't think it's an excuse. I, for me, it's more a statement of fact. Everyone's young. Everyone's yeah. still really, really young. And yeah. I, you know, tell me the ages of all those players real quick if you don't mind. Um, At the time? Yeah, in 2012. So 10 years ago. Oh, man. Uh, so Azarenka was born in 1989. Wait, does it say how old they are next to them in the rankings? It or just, do you just says have the their rankings? birth age. Okay. Um, so again, 23. Keep going. So Azarenka was born, it was 1989. Yeah, 23. Sharapova was 87. So 25. Uh, Serena was 81. So older. Uh, Radwanska was 89. 31. Uh, 89 is 23. Uh, Irani, or Kerber was 88. So 24. Uh, Irani was 87. So 25. Lee was uh, 82. So, okay, older. 90 30. for Kvitova. 
Okay, 20. okay, so it was young. It was a young group. Yeah. That was good math. We're leaving that in. Sorry, everyone. You got to listen to us do math live. That's great podcasting. The point is, you know, that group is pretty young as well. So yeah. I think this group has a year. Like one year from now, yeah. we'll have this same discussion and we'll talk about has Goff taken another step? I, has Radakanu? Has Fernandez? Has, you know, Rabakina, Sabalenka, who's still sneaky young right now. How old do you think Arena Sabalenka is? 23. 24. Yeah, okay. exactly. Bedosa's 24. Like, they, they need to take another step in the next yeah. year or so, but they're still a good group. And, like, you've got Jung Chin Wen on the rise. And you look at all these players yeah. who are under the age of 24 right now. Players like, you know, Andrescu still really young, even if she's been injured on and off. But we know how good she can be. Samsonova's on the rise. Anissa Mova's still 20. Obviously, Iga's 21. It's a fun young group is what I'm saying. I think it's a young group. Um, Fair. But and I think that but for me, I guess I just think that the only two that could really contend for majors in 2012 are Barty and Sviatek. Well, with that in mind, then give me who's advancing out of this quarter. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so back to what, back to the topic. Um, Rybakina over Buzkova is my prediction. Okay. Give me again quick argument for it. Um, well, in this matchup, I think it's just because what I saw in Toronto when they two put when those two played is that Rybakina ultimately. Buskova threw everything at her. She just ultimately had too much power for the check. Um, and that's what I see happening again. I think that Buskova beats Bedosa. I think Buskova beats Benchitz. I think Buskova beats Carolina Pliskova. I'm very high on Buskova, um, which how do you see Buskova doing? I think she gets knocked out by Benchich. Or Pliskova. Okay. I That's think fair. one of the two of them beat her. I just think their power tennis is good. They're good. She's a good matchup for them because she doesn't have the big weapons to hurt them. And if you give them enough chances, they're going to make you pay. You know, they meaning Pliskova and Benchich. So I think one of them trips them up. I'm going to go with Sabalenka over Benchich. And okay. I don't feel great about it. But just eventually these serving hiccups have to start or have to stop. And... Again, given the inconsistency, a Sabalenka run is the only thing that hasn't happened yet this year, and it just won't feel like the narrative is complete until it does. I'm going to take Sabalenka to advance over Benchich. I'm just going to bet on this. Again, everything I've said, all the percentages are up. The only thing holding her back is that double fault percentage. She's given away 318 free points this year. If she can just give away 30 instead of 70 throughout the course of the tournament, who knows what wonders that'll do for her point in, point out. Rabakina's played great. I think that's a good ma- – I like the players who force Sabalenka to be focused point in, point out because of how quick the point structures are. I, I just like that matchup for her. I'm taking Sabalenka over Benchich. I don't feel great about it though. I, you know what? That's very fair, and I can't argue it. You know, I, I think that you made some – you know, I, I can't argue that. Um, I think it's very fair. All right, so then – Coming out of this section, because we have the top half of the draw, uh, you've got Rabakina versus Jessica Pagula. I've got Sabalenka taking on Iga. David, who's advancing out of the top half? Rabakina. She's I'm, taking I'm out Pagula. I'm riding the Rabakina train. Make the case. Just I think that I think that uh, her serve is one of not many women, not many players in women's tennis have a serve that they can rely on to get them consistently, get them free points. I think that Rabakin has that serve. I think she has the experience now after Wimbledon. I think she has the mindset. Uh, even when she went down to Jabor in the final and to Tomjanovic, I think that was in the quarterfinals. She didn't blink. She she uh, immediately fought back. Um, I, I just think that out of everyone in the top half, 
who do I trust the most right now? I trust Robakin in the most. All right, I'll take this. Is your winner coming out of the top half of the draw? Yes or no? It's going to give away my winner, but yeah. Well, no, but they don't yeah. know who it's against. I don't want you to tell me who they're beating. But it is, So yeah. it is going to be Elena Rubakina. Tell me yeah. why. But for the for all those reasons. Yes, yeah. for all those reasons. Excuse yeah. me. So yep. you just trust her best is better than everyone else's right now. Is that to boil it down? Yes. All right. Well, you know what? My winner is not going to come out of the top half Ooh, of the draw. I'm going to take someone to beat Iga. But it's going to be someone out of the bottom half of the draw. I'm going to take you Iga. Iga. I'm going to take Iga to beat Sabalenka. Wow. I just again, who is the surest thing right now? And it still is Iga Sviantek. And I just had Sabalenka beating Rabakina. I have her get you know again to have her get to this stage of the event would feel like a, such a victory in itself. And I feel like at that point again, Iga can do enough things to throw Sabalenka's rhythm off. She you know, is such a good returner that even when Sabalenka's landing first serves, Iga's going to put that ball in play and just pressure Sabalenka in ways that no other player can. And then she's got the sort of power she can play to make Sabalenka be forced onto her back foot. And so I'm going to take Iga. She hasn't played her best, and yet she's still been extraordinarily competitive over these two hardcore events that she's played. And it's just been too long since she's played well, and I think she's going to snap out of it. I think that things have cooled off on her are actually the best thing for her, so she can come out and pop some people. And as I mentioned in the top half of the draw preview, I think her first two matches give her time to do that against a Paulini, and then my projections is Sloane Stevens. I'll take Iga to get to the final, but I am not taking her to win the event. If you want to find out who does win, the event, you're going to have to listen to our other half of the draw preview. Of course, David Gertler going to be joining me on that as well. With that said, this is where we're, gonna, where we're going to wrap this podcast. David, I'm going to allow you to do this on part two as well, but where are you writing this week? What can we uh, These next two weeks and what can we expect from you? Yeah, so I have been writing all weekend. I've been doing a lot of match previews for uh action network for uh i was gonna say wimbledon for the u.s open i did outright uh outright projections for the u.s open on action network i am doing a i wrote i want to say we uh you last word on tennis does these like you know little like quick bit like for each matchup for the and so i think i did like i want to say 40 of those this weekend for last word on tennis so that's where my work is. Eventually, I'm going to write again on my blog. I don't know when, but I need to be inspired by an idea. And then eventually, I want to write something for Crack Rackets, too. Uh, we are always willing to have you, David, as we always appreciate you and your work. And I'm always immensely appreciative that you're willing to give me the time to uh, chat about all of these things. Again, you're giving me a second hour of preview content to talk about all of the women's action. And if you listeners are looking forward to that, be sure to find it here on the Great Shot podcast feed. But David Gertler, thank you, as always, for taking the time to chat with us. We will chat with you in literally two more minutes. Thank you so much, Alex. I really do appreciate it. Like, I really, really do.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.